Hey, this is Ross, lead writer over here at Crypto 101. I want to say thank you to all our listeners. It's because of you we're building this community, and it's with you that we're going to help it grow. Hey, everybody. Kyle Finley here, marketing director of Crypto 101. Just want to give a huge thank you and shout out to all of our listeners and all of our subscribers out there. It's been an incredible few months. Uh, and I'm really excited to see where we can take this thing and to uh, help, you know, the average consumer. And this is Matthew Aaron. Thank you to all of our listeners for helping us grow the past couple months. Please help us continue to grow by going to iTunes and rating us and writing a comment. This allows people to find us a lot better and moves us to the top of the list. So thank you again and enjoy this episode. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101. This is Matthew Aaron. And today we're going to talk about smart contracts. Now, smart contracts are like all the rage, all the buzz. You see different people talking about them, Neo, Ethereum, Quantum. All these different companies are coming out saying we're going to do smart contracts. But what does that mean? And are they really smart? With this episode, I'm going to try to be as unbiased as possible. But during my research and everything I found, I've definitely come to take a side of what they're good for and what they're not good for. And what they're not good for can only be changed if i don't know some you know i don't know how it can be changed but anyway i definitely come out on his side and you're gonna hear that but let's just talk about what smart contracts are First, smart contracts are basic if and then conditional statements. If you do something, then this happens. And I'll go into more examples in the future. But first, let's talk about where did smart contracts come from first. And they were first proposed by Nick Zabo in 1996, but I also heard 1994. So between 1994 and 1996, Nick Zabo has proposed smart contracts. Now, Nick Zabo is, I think you heard his name first in the Douglas Pike interview. And um, he is a pioneer in this industry, blockchain, cryptography, digital currency, e-money. And Nick Zabo is a computer scientist, legal scholar, and cryptographer, known for his research in digital contracts and digital currency. He graduated from the University of Washington in 1989 with a degree in computer science. He also obtained a law degree from said university. Uh, Nick Zabo designed a mechanism for decentralized digital currency, he called BitGold. BitGold was never implemented, but has been called a direct precursor to Bitcoin architecture. In Nick Zabo's BitGold scheme, and I don't like the word scheme because it sounds bad, but a participant would dedicate computer power into solving cryptographic puzzles. In a BitGold network, solved problems would be sent on the Byzantine fault torrent public registry and assigned to the public key of the solver. Each solution would become part of the next challenge, creating a growing chain of new property. This aspect of the system provided a way for the network to verify and timestamp new coins because unless a majority of parties agreed to accept new solutions, they couldn't start the next puzzle. So this is actually very much like Bitcoin or the idea. Of course, it's different now, but you see where this is coming from, the evolution. Uh, So this was basically Nick Zabo. 
Another interesting fact of Nick Zabo is in 2008, a mysterious figure who wrote under the name of Satoshi Nakamura released a proposal for Bitcoin. Nakamura's true identity remained a secret, which led to speculation that in a long list of people speculated that Nakamura could be Zabo, but Zabo has repeatedly denied it. So Nick Zabo, and I almost am ashamed to admit that I didn't know who this person was before Doug Pike introduced him on the podcast. And now that I've been researching who he is and learning more about him, he's important. And I think Crypto 101 is going to do a whole segment on Nick Zabo because of just how important he is. And I think it might take two episodes because the dude has done everything in this space. But I'm going to move on for now. So what is a smart contract? Like we said in the beginning, it is an if-then conditional. And so let's take this example. Let's say we're going to hire somebody to shovel our snow. Wintertime is coming up. Sometimes you get the plow. Sometimes you guys get the guys with the truck with the plow on the front of it. Sometimes you got some kids, you know, with a wagon and that's full of shovels. And they come over to your, your, your doorstep, knock on the door and say, hey, you want to shovel? You want us to shovel your driveway? And you go, all right, give you five bucks, kid. Let's just take that situation. Let's just say little John comes over to shovel the snow. The situation is little John is going to shovel Pat's snow. So the contract could be written, if John shovels the snow, then Pat will pay him five bucks. Maybe another line would be, if John shoveled the snow by 5 p.m., then Pat will pay him 100% of the money. If John shovels the snow and is late by one hour, then Pat will pay him 80% of the money, and so on. If this is a normal contract, problems that could arise would say, you know, hey, you know what, I was just kidding. Or, you know what, I don't have the money right now. Or, uh, you know, I don't think that, or how, actually, I think it's worth four bucks. Or you got done faster than I thought. I'll give you three bucks. Well, the conditions were, if John shovels the snow, Pat will pay him five bucks. If John shovels the snow by 5 p.m., Pat will pay 100% of the money, and so on. So you see how that there's going to be less room for debate in the smart contract. It's going to be a conditional statement and an agreement between two people, leaving out the middleman. So in a smart contract, an asset or currency is transferred into a program, and that program runs this code. And at some point, it automatically validates a condition, and it will automatically determine whether the asset should go to one person or back to the other person or whether it should be immediately refunded to the person who sent it, or in some combination of the different options that, that are in there. Now, this is a quote from Vitalik and uh, what he says a smart contract does. Now, remember that this is going to be a P2P sort of agreement. Right now, you have different things in place that you kind of use a contractual agreement for person to person, kind of like Airbnb or Uber. You have person A, calling an Uber, the Uber driver, person B, comes, picks you up, and drops you off. Upon completion, he marks, I dropped him off, you mark, dropped him off. It's done. The Airbnb app, which is the third-party escrow account, then transfers the money necessary in completion of the action. Now, what smart contracts want to do is they want to take Uber out of the equation. So Uber doesn't have to be involved. So, for example... There's different blockchains and coins out there that are trying to make decentralized platforms. Things like BitShares, um, decentralized exchanges, um, or kind of off, offer the same kind of idea. Imagine an Uber 
built off of a decentralized exchange or I'm sorry, a decentralized company. And now everything is fine. It's set up there. But this network of P2P individuals are now in, in contracts with each other directly through the blockchain. Now, if you're direct, in direct contact with a person to try to do a service, then a smart contract would be kind of needed or necessary because we are now taking out the trust of this said third party. But now we are just communicating with the driver. Driver, take me here. He takes you there. If the driver takes me there, then I pay him five bucks. That is a smart contract. Why are people excited about smart contracts? What are the benefits? Well, as Nicholas Cornell, professor at Wharton School of Business says, there are two primary reasons why people are excited. The first is about gains in efficiency. Anytime you can automate a process and remove the human element, there's a possibility of transformative increases in efficiency and reliability. Just think about what computerization has done in other areas of our lives. Second reason, as Nicholas says, People are also excited about the possibility of removing human institutions, in particular government institutions, from an important function that they are currently playing right now. Right now, contracts depend on a legal system administered by a government. This requires trust in a coercive and fallible authority. So, for the same reason that Bitcoin enthusiasts are excited about the prospect of currency without a government, smart contracts enthusiasts are excited about the prospect of contracts without a government-run legal system. So let's imagine a real situation, a tenant and landlord relationship. So the tenant is renting an apartment from a landlord. Let's just say it's a thousand bucks. And now that person doesn't pay their rent one month. The landlord then has to sue them to get paid. They can call the cops. The, The person says, you know, I'm not leaving the house. Then they sue the person for the court to get involved. The person goes to the judge, the tenant, and says, I didn't pay because my child was sick. I used all the money for rent this month on medicine. The judge finds this to be a good reason and then allows the tenant to pay in monthly installments. However, the landlord isn't happy. Now, this is what's happening in the current system where there could be so much gray area for the payment to be done. And this is what happens when you have interpretation of the law. My, my kid was sick, therefore I didn't pay rent. Well, you owe me a thousand bucks. This is what I do. This is my livelihood. Judge says, well, we have to buy the kid medicine. So therefore, let's have you get paid in installments. Let's say 10 monthly installments for the next 10 months. The landlord's like, come on now. The, The tenant just says, I promise that I'll pay plus every month rent from this point on. Landlord isn't happy. However, this is the system kind of that we could live in right now. Now, let's look at the other side of this. Let's make a smart contract for the rent. If it's the fifth of the month, then tenant pays landlord $1,000. That money is in escrow. Sorry, not in escrow, but in escrow-ish, tied up in the blockchain with a commitment for said funds to be paid every month. There's nothing that you can do to get out of that because it's already there. However, this situation takes out the humanity of it. The rent is paid regardless of the situation because the money is already staked. It reminds me of like kind of the movie Elysium with Matt Damon. And and in this situation, he goes to see his parole officer. I don't know if anybody ever seen this movie. But okay, here's the situation. Matt Damon is going to work and he's standing in line. And the robot police officers, and remember they're all robots at this point. 
And the robot police officers, his parole officer in the future is going to be also a robot. And so with the way that they react to these situations reminds me of a smart contract if-then situation and how the humanity is taken out of the equation. And I don't think that's a good thing. So the robot officers come over to Matt Damon's character on his way to work, harass him a little bit. He makes some jokes. The robot cops say that he's being disorderly and break his arm. That is now going to be filed into his permanent record. So it, it seems as though the cops would have like an if and then sort of conditional smart contract. If Matt Damon makes jokes and it sounds disorderly or disrespectful, then I can take action. The cops took action, broke his arm. Maybe it's a little overboard, but who knows? That's not the protocols we're talking about. If Matt Damon is on parole and he violates conditions of his parole, then he has consequences. So if Matt Damon violates his parole, which is in this case, the violation is getting involved with the cops or having an altercation with the cops or being disrespectful, then consequences happen. So in Elysium, Matt Damon then goes to the parole officer. And this clip is going to be linked in the description below. Uh, he goes to the robot parole officer and the parole officer says that you got into an altercation with the cops. And Matt Damon says, oh, let me explain. I made a joke. They overreacted. The parole officer, who is a robot, says, well, if this happens, I mean, he didn't say that, but you can see that this is how it's working. If the altercation with the cops happens, then I have to add time to your parole, which he did. Matt Damon then gets frustrated. And you can see that with his, with his eyes and, you know, everything, his voice. And you can see that the parole officer probably has an if-then statement. If Matt Damon raises his voice above 75 decibels, or if Matt Damon has high heart rate, then it looks as though he's getting agitated. If Matt Damon gets agitated, then I will take action and offer him a sedative. If he doesn't take the sedative, then I will tell him to calm down. If, and you can see how this is going, and there's no personal human con, you know, contact here. And at the very end of the scene, he says, would you like to talk to a human? And, and Matt Damon's like, no, I, I, I don't. And kind of mocks the robot parole officer. And like, Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like a computer voice. No, I will not like to talk to a human. And the robot then senses his kind of condescending or mocking tone. Then he offers a punishment. So this is how I feel smart contracts to be. And you can see that even in this situation, that it's going to be disproportionate to who can validate or fight smart contracts and the gray areas of these smart contracts. Who has the time? Who has the money? Who is the one that's disenfranchised by you know whatever system that's going to be uh, implemented? The other thing that we put into smart contracts here is yes, it's if and then, but how do you combat certain language? How would a smart contract handle something, a language that's vague or subjective? How would you say, to the best of your abilities or your best efforts, or I promise to put my best efforts into completing a task or goodwill or due care. How do you define something like goodwill, best efforts or due care? And who interprets it? Who is the interpreter of best efforts, due care? Now, interpretations is actually a really interesting word. How do you interpret nonverbal implications? Let's take an example. Let's just take the example of little John coming up to the door to say, I'm going to shovel your driveway. And Pat says, okay. So if John shovels the driveway, then Pat will pay him five bucks. If it's done before five o'clock, Pat pays 100% of the money. And little John, he's not shoveling shit, man. This, this kid is smart. He pulls out a flamethrower, starts flaming the whole driveway, melting all the snow. Pat comes out. He's like, what the hell are you doing, little John? And he's like, well, there's no more snow. You owe me five bucks. Well, you know what? Pat didn't like the means. But who's to interpret that? Another example. Let's just say you, you tell somebody, hey, I'll race you for a kilometer. And they're like, okay, cool. First one to cross the finish line wins. One guy starts running really fast because it was implied that they're going to run. We kind of both know what he means because this is – I will race you. And when people say that, you kind of like, and you know, if you're standing there, maybe in the park or whatever, and you know, it's just implied. We're going to run. Maybe they're both standing there with running gear. Well, the other guy takes off running. The other guy sees there's a carnival right next door, hops into the cannon and shoots himself over the finish line, lands there, breaks a leg, says, hey, I won. And you're just like, what the? F-? But that's not what I meant. Smart contract. Who determines that th- those means were the end. Now, do you have to write that in all the contracts? Is it possible to have a smart contract that implies the implied meaning or the nonverbal contingencies? Can you write a smart contract for all those means or nonverbal contingencies to meet that end? Another issue with smart contracts, in the law, some contracts are just illegal, like contracts to kill your mother. Sorry, don't want to talk about anybody's mother or killing anybody's mother. Hope nothing bad happens to anybody's mother. And everybody lives forever and ever and ever. But 
it is illegal to make a contract, and it's not enforceable by law, to have a contract that is illegal. However, if this is a smart contract, who is to determine that that contract is legal or not legal? And where's the, the line where it is legal and it's not legal? So I was thinking of an of a example of social media algorithm to help determine its legality. For example, let's use playing a concert. You have a band. You go to some you know local spot. Concert has a couple hundred people in there. And to determine if this contract is fulfilled, they put an algorithm on it. And let's just say that algorithm is just to see what happens over social media. And people are, are tweeting or putting on Facebook and they're putting things like, good show, loving this band. They played for three hours straight. And all, by looking at all of these different things they put on social media, they go, okay, the contract is fulfilled. The band walked off. They played for three hours. Everybody's in consensus that this was a great show. Something had happened. The contract is fulfilled. The band gets paid. Now, what if the social media is riddled with different terms such as slang? And some slangs are more popular than others these days. And they say something like, they killed it. They dropped a bomb on the audience. They murdered that show. Now, colloquially, we know it's a win for the band. By the context, we, we kind of get it. Even if it's just those sentences, they killed it. They dropped a bomb on the audience. They murdered that show. We get it. Can the smart contract understand that? And does that just void the contract because of the legality? Or does the contract not care if they dropped a bomb, really, or murdered everybody in the show? And they just are fulfilling it. Oh, well, they were there. They showed up. It's ended. Done. Other problems with smart contracts is being on the same blockchain. Our smart tra- contracts going to be able to be cross-blockchained. So, f- for example, you have Ethereum and you're on the Ethereum blockchain. Well, whatever. What happens if somebody else has another blockchain and this guy's using Ethereum, this guy's using, you know, whatever, whatever other smart contract blockchain out there neo and are they compatible who knows i guess maybe if you just have to you start using ethereum blockchain but it could be problematic minor we'll think about it also is it too transparent remember these contracts are going to be on the blockchain so people can see them people can see them just like a, you know a ledger you know this guy has uh, this money bitcoin or this bit much bitcoin is sent to this place or blah 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 you know it's distributed People can, you know, figure out what's going on. Now, does that make it too transparent where everybody knows too much about X, X, Y, or Z business and it doesn't make it competitive because not everybody sees these contracts open in the blockchain? Those last two problems, to be perfectly honest with you, in my opinion, I saw them on a website uh, and I think that it was dated 2016. I don't think that they're that big of a problem, but... They mentioned them. So I'm going to put them out there. Now, the way that I think smart contracts are going to come out, because remember, they're going to be P2P. And just like having an HTML, you know, website back in the day, or even I think, I think it was MySpace, we would do this. It's but to change everything, we needed to know a little bit of code, a little bit of HTML. So if I wanted to change the color of my MySpace and pimp my page, I would have to add in HTML codes to my MySpace profile in one way or the other. And then I could have my purple background with some bedazzled shit and, you know, I don't know, whatever you're going to pimp your page with. If you guys remember, pimp your page. I, I just remember that now. That's that's awesome. 
But it was too complex for the average person still. Imagine building a website before all of this where you actually had to write your own code in. Eventually, it came to where these codes were just kind of like generic and people would just cut and copy and put them in. You want a purple background? Purple background. You want this fault? Cut and copy this code and put it there. Now, if you have something like Wix, making a website is easy. You just press purple and it turns purple. You want to add Visa and MasterCard and Bitcoin payments? You just add the plugins. If you want to do this, that, or the other thing and work with Amazon, you add the plugin. If you want to do these analytics for your website, you add the plugin. So I kind of feel that uh, blockchain and smart contracts will get to this point eventually where these systems are set up through the evolution of building on, on top of one and another and another and another over the course of many years that we will just be able to take phrases and throw them into our contracts or they'll have generic contracts for any kind of contingency. And so I don't think that a lot of these issues will be uh, will, will arise from these scenarios. However, the human factor will be taken out and the humanity will be taken out eventually of these contracts in these relationships from, from paying rent to ride services and, and, and whatever because these contracts will be so cut and dry. Kind of like the Elysium parole officer situation that I told you a little bit ago where Matt Damon was just trying to explain but the smart contract doesn't allow for explanation doesn't allow for creative interpretation. And how do you do this in a system, in especially business, where everything is so fluid and so gray? And what if the, con the conditions of the contract changes? You know, I've been in many situations where you're talking with somebody about business. And just a good example is being in a bar. You're in a bar with somebody you do business with. You start the night at dinner and you guys are okay with everything. You next, you know, have four or five drinks. And you're talking and things change. Things just change because you guys got drunk. I had to understand each other's situation a little better. And now, what do you do? In a verbal agreement, it's very easy. It's amended through that time. You wake up in the morning and go, hey, man, it was good talking to you. So we're going to do it that way? Yeah, we're going to do it that way. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll drop the paperwork. Now, smart contracts might be a little more difficult to avoid, to get out, to manipulate, to change. And I would like to see how that's going to progress in the future. Um, anyway, that's my thing on smart contracts, a couple of pros, cons. I have more cons because I think that the technology and the idea is just so new. And for me, it's kind of like driving driverless cars. We have so many questions about the possibilities in the whole gray area of driverless cars right now. We have no clue what's going to happen. But, you know, eventually there will be driverless cars on the road in mass. These situations will arise. Legislation will come up. The human factor still has to be in there. The legal system will still have to be there. And there will still have to be a trust system or a trust in our legal system, for, at least for the time being, at least for the next 50 years, until these smart contracts start getting so adopted and so flexible that they do start replacing the legal system. And same with thing with the smart cars. We're going to have to have a good legal system to legislate on all those contingencies that will happen. And one of those things with smart cars or driverless auto automobiles is kind of like the situation where they keep telling you a kid jumps up into the middle road. The car has two choices to hit the kid, kill the kid or to veer off the road and fall off a bridge 
killing your family which one do you do now they're both horrible situations they're both horrible choices however these are real choices something jumps in the middle road it could be a kid and you have a choice actually the car has a split second choice of what to do go straight hurting the kid saving your family or veering off the road which choice does the computer make and who says the computer makes which choice and which choice are is the driver comfortable with maybe some drivers would veer off the road because they're not going to be responsible for that and maybe some drivers will go straight because they're not they're not going to you know put their family in danger but who makes that choice and i think that there's so many gray areas in this whole new automated kind of future that we have no clue how it's going to evolve however just because of those uncertainties and just because of those many uncertainties there's so many more cons than there are pros at this point anyway that's the podcast on smart contracts a little bit longer than i thought but thank you very much And as usual, Crypto 101 can be found on SoundCloud, Tumblr, Facebook, Crypto 101, Twitter, Crypto underscore underscore 101. We can be found on Instagram, Crypto underscore 101. Email me at Crypto.101 at Outlook.com. And we have blogs coming out, so our Tumblr's getting updated. You saw the last one with uh, the Douglas Pike interview. We have the James Lovejoy vertcoin interview coming up in blog form on steemit tumblr and on wordpress those will be sent out in mass of course on all of our channels and social media so thank you very much today's music was by alina paraz the song was called buzzin and hosini and jones the song is called gruen thank you very much matthew aaron with crypto 101 time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.  Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.